This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and we have a new episode for you guys. Uh, this week, I am joined by Chris Cook, who is the uh, owner and founder of Odyssey Training and Consulting. And Chris and I have this, this awesome discussion. We get into uh, you know something that I think is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, especially in the last couple of years here with a lot of the stuff that we've seen on the TV and on the news. And that's you know, self-defense training and training mindset. And, you know, we even get into helping to nurture and grow shooters. We talk about, you know, the community and culture and a lot of the different things that, you know, lend themselves to that discussion uh, and what that all looks like. You know, at, at some point we are all new shooters and it's something that I think we, we really easily forget, right? It's very, um, I don't want to say convenient, but it is convenient to to look only at what you know today and not be able to step back from that and put yourself in the frame of reference and the mindset that you had when you were a new shooter and you didn't know what you didn't know. You know, and for some of you guys listening right now, that may actually be your your current position. You may be a newer shooter. You may be somebody who's been shooting for a while and you're just starting to get more serious about that training and, and how to bring structure into what you're doing and to build yourself up appropriately with a good fundamentals uh, system and a good foundation so that you can continue to grow and and do it the right way. So those are all the kinds of things I get into with Chris today. Uh, it's it, it, Honestly, it's an outstanding conversation. I truly did you know, uh, not realize that we had gotten to the end of our time together uh, when, when we did. It just, time flew by. Just a great, great conversation. I think you guys are really going to dig what Chris has to say. And uh, just another one of these just amazingly talented individuals that is offering instruction and, and mentorship in the Salt Lake City area. You know, I know we've had Devin Soto uh, from Tactical Cowboy on. You know, there's other companies like Fieldcraft uh, out in Salt Lake. And, and now Chris and what he's doing with Odyssey is just another resource that you guys have access to if you're in the Salt Lake City area uh, or in, in you know, a reasonable drive of that area would certainly encourage you to check out what Chris is doing with Odyssey. But before I get over to my conversation uh, with Mr. Chris Cook, I do have to say thank you to our presenting sponsors. Uh, we've we've made several strides this year with the Prepared Mindset. We've had a lot of developments, a lot of growth, uh, a couple failures as you know, and we're only, you know, about two months in. Um, but that's, that's part of the process, right? And having these partnerships, uh, that with these awesome companies, they, they support us what we do and obviously got to say thank you for that support and, and everything they do to, to make us more successful. So first need to say thank you to our friends over at Midwest Gunworks guys, head over to MidwestGunworks.com set up discount code prepared mindset is going to give you guys 5% off. So maybe after you're listening to this discussion with Chris and I today, you're looking into a new concealed carry handgun or handgun for your wife, your, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever have you, uh, a new one for yourself, head on over to midwestgunworks.com. Use the discount code again, prepared mindset for 5% off your order. That includes handguns, parts, uh, accessories, whatever you're looking for. If you're looking to finish a handgun or a rifle build, they really, really shine when it comes to things like, you know, AR barrels and uppers and things like that. They got all kinds of good stuff there. Whatever you guys need, again, head over to MidwestGunWorks.com, check it out, order yourself something, support us here at The Prepared Mindset. Also, huge shout out, big thank you to 100 Concepts. 
Guys, 100 Concepts is the company that rolled out those really neat light caps that you've been seeing all over Instagram with the elastic shock cord and the, the Ranger bands that everybody is raving about because it is such a unique and simple idea that is so effective and so affordable at a, at a, at a price point everybody can afford. The company's motto is do good, be dangerous, and live free. When we're talking about these principles today, Chris and I, that that right there is just one really great way of summing it up. Being personally accountable and doing good things and living free. Your own self-defense is a big part of that freedom. That's something that 100 Concepts definitely stands behind. Uh, head on over to 100concepts.com. You can check out those light caps I was just uh, gushing about, uh, the scope caps that they have, pack scrim and helmet scrim if you need some camo for your backpack, for your helmet. Great company, doing all kinds of cool stuff, and they are constantly, constantly working on new products to roll out. So stay tuned to 100concepts.com. Go over, pick yourself up some chem lights, a chem light kit. Uh, like I said, light caps, scope caps, whatever it is help support uh you know garrett and jonah and, and those guys and all the good work they're doing also thank you to larp labs guys a lot of you talk about painting your rifles or wanting to paint your rifles or some people talk about coating, but it's too expensive camouflage is a huge huge part of preparedness and what we do when we talk about getting out into the vegetation out into the wilderness but a lot of us are just a little bit apprehensive about painting our lights, our lasers, our optics. That's where LARP Labs comes in with their amazing computer cut 3M vinyl. Head over to LARPLabs.com, use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET for 10% off of your order to get some custom colored or camoed right, vinyl wraps for your handheld lights, your weapon lights, your optics, your PVS-14, your laser, whatever have you. If you guys live any place like Michigan, the seasons change every, I mean, <laughs> every couple hours, right? So if you don't have to, if you don't want to be, you know, painting and repainting and repainting your rifles, your optics, things like that, pick up these vinyls. They go right on. Not a big problem. Uh, no sticky residue. They don't peel. These things are good for, you know, three years outdoors. Tremendous shelf life. Fantastic company. Again, LARPLabs.com. Discount code PREPAREDMINDSET for 10% off. And last but certainly not least, need to say thank you to Bill and team over at Active Carry. Guys, head to activecarrytech.com. Discount code PMP10 is going to save 10% off of your order. We talk an awful lot today about self-defense training, being more equipped, more effective, and more dangerous to make sure you can keep yourself and your loved ones safe. In that same breath, we can't forget about medical Again, activecarrytech.com, discount code PMP10 to save 10% off when you go to pick up your medical supplies, things like tourniquets, chest seals, gauze packs. Maybe you don't know much about medical and you need a whole built-out kit. You can check out their blazer kit or their gamma. If you need something like an ankle kit, something that's nice and low profile, you can carry with you day in and day out so you have access to all those supplies, those life-saving pieces of equipment, check out their Guardian. And you know what? They have options if you're in the tactical space, law enforcement, you need something to go on your plate carrier, check out their Breacher kit. Tons of good options, awesome company, doing awesome work, and now making the transition over to American-made only products with a couple exceptions, but really pushing American-made this year. They just made that announcement this week. One more time, activecarrytech.com, PMP10 to save you guys 10% off. Okay, so thank you to all of our supporting sponsors here. In addition, I will quickly plug that we do have a Patreon page. 
head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod for access to exclusive content videos, the, uh, you know, episodes, blog posts. We have uh, targets that you can print out, uh, all kinds of good stuff going on. We've seen a, a pretty nice uptick in in the patronage and the support in the last couple of weeks here, and it means the world to us. Thank you guys if you know you're listening and you're one of our supporters. Uh, and if you're not, go check it out. Uh, sign up for a couple months, see if it's worth the money for you. It, it goes an awful long way with everything that we're doing here at Prepared Mindset, and we really, really appreciate the support. Now that we're through all of that, without any further delay, I'm going to get you guys on over to my discussion with Mr. Chris Cook of Odyssey Training and Consulting. Let's do it. Chris, welcome to the pod, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. Dude, absolutely. Uh, I think we know some of the same uh, same dudes in the space out in your neck of the woods. Uh, uh, I, Ethan, I think. I, I know people's Instagram names, and for whatever reason, I'm always really you know, good. At- everyone's known by their Instagram handle more, yeah. more often nowadays. <laughs> so- yeah, you talk about uh, Daily Dry Fire. Is that right? Yep. yep. Totally. Um, yeah, he and, and I, I took a class together uh, six or seven months ago, um, summertime of of 2022. But yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. It's been really cool to see him progress from when I trained with him seven months ago to where he is yeah. now. So I don't. I would I would actually disagree because he moved away from a Glock to an M and P. So <laughs> I think uh, we're having some some fundamental differences. He is a he is a cool guy though. I talk to him uh, fairly regularly, um, and I think I don't. Do you know Devin? Yeah, Cowboy. yeah, yeah. Uh, Tactical Cowboy. He and I, uh, he came and took a class with me um, in September of last year. He took my advanced pistol class, and then he and I are co-teaching along with Scott Garcia of Advent Training, the uh, EDC Performance Expo, big one-day uh, training event here in the Salt Lake area uh, in March. So quite excited for that. Yeah, Devin's a great dude, uh, great instructor, uh, great guy. He's always willing to learn new things, so he's quite fun to to work with. You guys are totally spoiled out there with good shooting opportunities and, and areas to go shooting in. And yeah, uh, we have to, I, I was having this conversation with my buddy the other day. I, we have to drive at minimum an hour just to get to like a semi usable piece of state land. And that's just for like standing and shooting. Like if we wanted to actually stretch out and shoot out past, I don't know, like 50 yards, we're looking at like three plus hours minimum. It's wow. just, we yeah. don't have, uh, you know, we have some facilities here in Michigan, but uh, when I hear what, what you guys out West have access to just like all willing to, Oh, it's public land. Anybody can come out here. Yeah. It's not yeah. fair. We're going to go shoot out to 1800 meters. So we're just going to go drive in the middle of nowhere and set up some steel and, you know, do some, yeah, we're just going to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no planning. No right. well, some planning, but I'll uh, tell you what though. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we have a lot of really good instructors in the, in the Salt Lake and Utah area right now. It was not that way just five years ago. So I'm happy to see, the growth that we've had of modern, good, squared away people teaching good classes. Um, it's been kind of an explosion in the last little bit. Yeah, no. Um, and actually to that point, um, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and talk a little bit about how you got to where you guys are at today with with Odyssey? Sure. Yeah. So uh, for you guys who don't know me, my name is Chris Cook. I run a shooting performance and self-defense training company based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, called Odyssey Training and Consulting. Uh, I have been teaching in our area for about four years now, and I have been a serious student of self-defense and shooting performance for about 12 years now. I have uh, just over 800 hours of professional training at the national level in um, 
gun stuff. And out of all of my uh, training I've done, training I teach, things I focus on, the vast majority of what I focus on is, uh, you know, the use of firearms by civilians for self-defense purposes in the U.S. today. That's the problem that I'm trying to solve and that I uh, study the most intently. Yeah. And uh, it's so and it's funny you mention all of those things because I um, shameless plug here. I was on uh, a different podcast a while back and it dropped today. uh, The gun experiment. Those guys are in like upstate New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things we talked a lot about was like self-defense and self-preparation things that kind of all roll back to what you just mentioned there. Right. Um, And one of the questions that are, are discussion points, I think it was a question any rate talked about how we get more people involved you mm-hmm. know uh, more people introduced to the concepts around self-defense for me it's you know it's it's shooting oriented because i don't i mean it took two years of karate when i was like 10 um, so you're like a deadly weapon in your own right oh yeah yep yep super deadly very dangerous mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh but it's something that i think people are finally starting to to think about more probably because of stuff that's happened over the last three years or two and a half years, whatever um, is, Hey, should I be concerned with this? And then immediately next question is like, okay, maybe I am. What do I do? Where do I go? What do I look for? Who's going to help me? You know, I'm not going to buy a gun because I know there's no one to teach me. Nobody in my family shoots. Um, So that's kind of the place. It sounds like where companies like like yours right step in and fill that void from so you'd mentioned like a you know pistol classes and things from the top down uh i i think there's starting to be more options out there you know for training and and people are finally starting to figure out like hey you can't just uh cater right to the ultra uh elite of the tactical space totally i mean we used and that that used to be it's, it's been really interesting you know i um i grew up kind of watching this industry and now that i'm a part of it it's kind of interesting to see what what 13 year old me saw in 2008 it by interesting do you mean horrifying because the industry (laughs) and i hear the whisperings going on i'm like wow what (laughs) yeah no it's it's definitely it's definitely telling so i had a i kind of have a weird background uh getting into this but i um, yeah, it was a, a military history and military tactics and firearms nerd since I could walk like literally four or five years old. I was reading about that was just the thing I got attracted to for whatever reason. And my parents didn't own guns. Um, they were they grew up in New England and they were kind of, you know, just we we grew up in uh, Houston, Texas, where, you know, people have guns. My parents just it just wasn't their thing. Yeah. But then kind of like what you were talking about earlier, you know, where where the world changes has some big event and everyone starts to scramble to, to get guns and protect themselves and stuff. When hurricane Katrina and then hurricane Rita, uh, which about a couple weeks after that was a category four that hit Houston and, you know, it was big, bad evacuation, people getting robbed for gas. There's a lot of civil unrest and all that. My dad was kind of like, you know, there was ever a time to have a gun. Now would be it. Right. Yeah. Um, so we bought him for Christmas a, a Springfield XD in nine millimeter. That's my the oh, first no. gun I grew up. Yeah, well, we didn't know any better, you know. Yeah, it's true. true. Um, no, this is this is before the XD M. Think of it that way. Oh, wow. Like the, the M was the new thing that came out. Like um, but yeah, so then after that it was off to the races, and that was what my dad and I did uh growing up. We'd go shoot all the time, and you know, he got really into custom 1911s and I like, competed in handgun shooting in in high school. 
And then I went to a uh, military service academy for college. I went to a, a place called the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, where there's there's five federally funded you know military schools: West Point, Annapolis, Air Force Academy, Coast Guard Academy, and Kings Point, or the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, the one I went to. And uh, our specialty is cargo shipping, so oil tankers, container ships, uh, shipping logistics, all that kind of stuff. And I got to shoot like ten rounds out of an M9 when I was a plebe. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Right. Of course. Um, and that literally was like, the, I'm not even like Navy pistol qualified, even though I'm an inactive Navy reservist. So, um, you know, very minimal, uh, training on that end. But then when I was, uh, working as a safety and navigation officer on oil tankers and container ships for a few years after college, I actually, uh, got some training in firearms and stuff like that. I worked on ships that were contracted to military sea lifts command, which is where they go like refuel all the Navy bases. Mm -hmm. They're the, you know, gray hulled ship that's in like a task force, like an air, like a carrier task group or something like that. And they're just full of diesel fuel and they're going from destroyer to destroyer to destroyer, refueling everybody. And they have their own, you know, arms locker and a bunch of old interceptor vests and woodland camo and some old Pazgat helmets and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what you need when you're out on a boat is woodland camo. Oh, oh, dude, the, the <laughs> amount of, we had, you know, like, literally like m14s in the in the arms that's what i qualified on the, the, the small arms course you get taught on the m14 because that's where they put all these m14s from vietnam they're floating around in these old old you know cargo ships i bet you some collector like would just love to well, like probably lose their mind yeah oh yeah um so got training there and it was that was my introduction to mandated training to people who aren't gun people they're not mm -hmm. passionate about it. They don't care. They maybe politically don't even like guns, but for their job, they have to come take this five-day small arms course. And and I'm here as this training nerd. I'm NRA pistol qualified by that point. And, you know, like I've been taking a bunch of classes on the private sector side and was able to look around and be like, oh man, like this is this is real bad. Like if this yeah. is what people who are in the military or in law enforcement who go do those professions not because they're a gun nerd which is the majority of the people that go do those professions mm -hmm. uh you know like this is this is not great so there's a higher caliber of trainer that can certainly be here so yeah. um so that's i really started to seek out you know my own personal firearms training and stuff like that uh after that and and you know that just kind of grew and grew and grew and finally i got the opportunity to start teaching at a, a large indoor range um in salt lake city and kind of the rest is rock and roll history yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, I don't like the, as a concept, the bashing on, you know, military or law enforcement, but I think that for a long time there, we had an issue where people who didn't know any better would just go to like their friend's husband or whatever, because he's a cop, teach me how yep. to shoot or, Hey, you were in the military 25 years ago. I mean, pick a branch, right? Yep. Uh, I know you drove a forklift every day, but you had to shoot guns there. So like, teach me. And then that becomes this, you know, incestuous passing of uh, knowledge or poor technique or right. all the above. Right. So it, it has been brought to light, obviously, in the community in the last, I don't know, two decades, probably two or mm -hmm. decade and a half, whatever. Um, and it's, it's something that I think that it's not really supposed to be a negative. It's just supposed to be pointing out that the way th there, there's things done right for a certain set of reasons, a certain way with a certain set of firearms. It's not to say like, Hey, you should go out and buy an M nine because that's what, that's you what yeah. 
Yeah, that's what uh, Uncle Gerald carried into the invasion of Iraq in 2003. So I, I, I actually wanted one for like years. I was like, man, I, I want one. They look sick. And my buddy was like, listen, um, I like you. So I'm just going to tell you, do not fucking spend money on that gun. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Like Mel Gibson had one and like all the lethal yeah. weapons. I mean, they're, they look legit. He's like, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, don't waste your money. Like go buy a Glock, go buy an M&P, go buy a SIG. Like you can even go buy a Ruger if you want, but do not spend your money on a fucking M9. You you're gonna hate it. They're they're terrible. Yeah. And you know, once I started looking, you know, a little bit deeper online, you know, you learn that stuff. And you're like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I mean, nowadays we have the LTT Berettas that are really nice, you know, and there's plenty mm-hmm. of dudes that are getting great work done with with you know the Langdon Tactical stuff. But uh, talking about the evolution of the industry, that those tuned customized m9s with red dots on them and all those weren't available in 2011 you know it was a 92 fs and and that's it no light rail you know and yeah oh yeah i mean like the light rail uh access to optics i mean things that we kind of take for granted today right that a lot of people i think as new shooters in 2023 uh, are stepping into the training space or even just learning how to shoot you don't even have to I think classified as, as quote training, right? Just learning how to shoot. They're stepping in the door with an optic equipped handgun, you know, right. cause uh, it's kind of the new standard, right? I know SIG, you can buy it set up that way. Um, yep, comes and, with an optic out of the box, right? Yeah. And I think Shad- shadow systems does too, you know, their Gucci yep. Glock or whatever with a hollow sun. Um, I think Canic does it too. Maybe I don't, there's, there's several companies, right? And it's just the, the future is now old man. Like, in the, right. The red Dude, dots. Talk about, you, you want to talk about old guys? I had a class this weekend with seven people. Um, three of them were under the age of thirty. Never taken a formal firearms training class before. This is my basic pistol class, but had watched a lot of YouTube. Were big fans of T Rex arms, you know, and sure. showed up with battle belts with Ragnaroks and STAC Kiwi mag pouches or a concealed, like a tier one concealed appendix carry holster with Glocks and MNPs with red dots on them. And then I had four guys who were over the age of 60 okay. and you know, all of them said I'd been shooting all my life, <laughs> shooting all my life. And we had hybrid holsters and we had uh Serpa holsters and, uh nylon like a battle belt that you can buy it where it's already stitched together like it's got like a nylon mag pouches stitched in place it's got some kind of gp pouch stitched in place it's got a horizontal magazine pouch near the belt buckle and some high speed shit yeah oh like you know 25 dollars on amazon kind of battle belts and then one guy had a a 1911 and one magazine like a mag like as like in a seven, one a seven was in the gun. Mag. Like that yep. was it. And he said, I've owned this gun for decades. I've never needed another magazine. And I'm like, How did you expect us to shoot yep. two hundred rounds in two in four hours with you <laughs> with a lot of reloading? Mag- yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and he's like, and you know, I was just like, Bro, here's a Glock 19 and a pancake kydex holster. Take your dangerous holster and your ineffective gun off. You're carrying these yeah. for the duration class. Yeah, no. it's and and that's the education piece of it. And it, and I think a lot of guys like get a lot of heartburn about it too. When you're like, hey man, um, 1911 is not the way to go. I mean, and and it, you know what? It could be. It could be if you're mm-hmm. somebody who 
it, it seems in this particular instance, this gentleman did not shoot uh, very much. Otherwise, he probably out of pure annoyance would own more than one magazine. I hope so. I would hope so. Um, but we had we had something like that. You know, I took a, a tactical uh, sorry, conceal, concealed carry tactics course here. Uh, and we had somebody show up with a SIG like 938. It's like one of their oh, yeah. miniature 1911 guns that was like a six plus one. Yep. And he had, I think he even had like two extra magazines. But when you look at the room full of guys, everyone's running, you know, either full size Glocks or 43 X's or even three sixty fives and stuff, 10 rounds. Uh, yep. I run the shield arms mags in my 43 X. So 15 rounds, like nobody's reloading. And this guy can't finish one drill without a slide lock reload. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then decided he was going to leave the class like an hour and a half early. Yep. Randomly. Yep. Some guys just like to fight on hard <clears throat> mode. That's, they just, they just like the challenge. They like the difficulty. Uh, so I mean, it's funny, like seeing the, the, so this is something I've, you know, done a lot with Odyssey is looking at the scale of the American gun owning public, not just the. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one guy did the math um, a decade ago or something like that. I mean, you when you looked at like true professional two day pistol classes, two day rifle classes, four day pistol classes, four day rifle classes that that dudes were teaching in the you know nineties and and mid two thousands and you know, mm-hmm. kind of all kind of all the way up to like the Magpul days, the amount of people that were taking classes like that in the US was like, it was like 10,000 people that were sustaining, yeah. you know, Kyle DeFore, Mike Pannone, Pat McNamara, and, you know, a handful of Tom Givens and some of the older guys, Clint Smith and Thunder Ranch. Sure. But like 10,000 people were sustaining this entire training industry because they were just going from training class to training class to training class. And they were just... They were taking everybody's class because this was their hobby, right? And it's like, well, that's not necessarily the most effective fulfillment of the mission that all we would, we want everybody. We don't need 10,000 John Wicks. We need 20 million basic pistol qualified, basic rifle qualified, safe and efficient gun handlers. Yeah. With squared away equipment, right? That's yeah. really like what everyone would would prefer. So seeing nowadays the kind of proliferation of good, modern, vetted knowledge into that lower level tier of the tactical game or the, you know, the training game where, you know, people are teaching four and eight hour classes as a local guy or whatever, but they're teaching high quality, modern stuff. They're getting people to a very good place over the course of, you know, eight hours. And this dude's got a, you know, consistent sub two second draw stroke. He's can hit multiple targets. He can you know, shoot a build drill in under three seconds. He can use cover and concealment correctly. Like that's a, that's a dude that's now a lot harder to victimize, you know? Mm-hmm. No, um, it's something that, you know, it's, it's funny that you say like that we need, we don't need 10,000 John Wicks, you know, the it's, I think people get the concept and the idea twisted when they talk about how to be capable and effective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I read, I think it's uh, called Building Shooters, the book by Dustin Solomon. And I think he was yeah. also the baby. And yeah. he talked a lot about not even, not about trigger pulling, but about the administ- the administrative skills that go with it. So how to safely perform a reload, how to safely assemble and deassemble your, uh, you know, your firearm, uh, even just how to like approach uh, a, a bay or whatever at your range and how to, how to act and interact with the space. 
and that's like put the, your gun on. That's exactly it's a huge one. The how fundamental to, to mount your holster, right? They are going to make you safer on the range, and it's going to really lay. I mean, people and we we all take it for granted. Anybody who's been shooting, who's I would say actually been shooting <laughs> for any you know length of time, it's like, well, yeah, that's basic. That's standard, right. bro. Like, you, why would you? Why would you even put that on the list of things you need to know? But like you just said, I mean, clearly, I think many of us uh, listening to this podcast, certainly you and and myself, would never show up to a two hundred round handgun course with a single seven round magazine and think that that would be acceptable. Right. It's a lack um, of so perspective. It's, kinda, it's a lack of frame of reference. They don't yeah, even know that, what right looks like. That lowest. Uh, like that, that lowest common or that lowest common denominator really. And that's who you have to almost gear and scope things out to try and address. Maybe not that low because that's a little bit. Well, I mean, but that's, that's the problem is if there's, if there's 10 million people that are that low and that stinks and we can either shame them out of the industry and say, never come to a class. You're right. Let's do it. Shame. Shame. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) you know, well, we got to correct your safety stuff. We got to work on these things that takes, time investment so if we're patient enough then we might be able to get you to a place where you start to kind of get it and you can manipulate your gun safety and you and watching it this is a big one nowadays is just video learning like people talk about youtube especially five ten years ago you'd hear people like oh this dude learned everything on youtube yeah because youtube Hmm. had 500 gun videos on it because it's 2009 right but nowadays there's so much high quality instructional content that's out there. There's a bunch of trash. Like, don't like you got to oh, yeah. you got to weave your way through it. Um, but the amount of people that I have come to class that are completely squared away shooters and they've done nothing but watch YouTube, it's 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 a viable e-learning mode. You know, it's, yeah. it's a viable e-learning tool. And when people capitalize on it and use it well, they're able to teach millions of people. You know, at, at, are they going to get to a super high level? Of course not. But can they get perspective? Can they get an understanding and a visual of what right looks like so that when they do start coming to real classes, they're not a soup sandwich. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's a big, big part of it is being able to get that additional perspective. Cause I think some people take it all the wrong way and they're like, Oh, you know, I got to get rid of this Springfield XD or this 1911. I have to go buy a Glock 19 because that's mm-hmm. what everybody's right. You know I mean? People take it that, that way. Um, but, and for a while that was, I mean, that really was the the community, but, you know, we have so much more access now. Guys are running everything from CZs to, uh, you know, I, I don't even that weird alien looking pistol or whatever with the half fixed, half reciprocating slide and just everything in between. Right. And you can find content around the the weapon system, how it works, how you can manipulate it. There's just so much more access to the information. And to your point there, you can learn all of that stuff by just watching a handful of videos, you know, six right. or eight hours worth of total content and absorb that. And um, I think, I know we've all done it where you find a video you really like, whether it's just really entertaining or there's just so much shit in there that you have to watch it four or five times to absorb it all, but it's all there. You know, mm-hmm. you can do it at your own leisure. And then when you finally feel like you're at a point where you're ready to take that step, you can enroll in a class. You, you know, you, you will have that additional layer of confidence um, to your point, there's, there is a lot of shit out there, like complete, just there, utter there's trash. a ton of junk. And that's, and that's part of the problem of our, 
of this, you know, profession is that we are unique in that we can't by choice verify the accuracy of what we're saying through experience. You know, we can't say, okay, well, we figured out a new way to grip the handgun. Let's go get in some gunfights and see how it shakes out, right? And then we say, hey, guys, we have a bunch of gunfights that we tested scientifically. This grip is better, right? We can do that with some things with shooting performance on like, you know, USPSA and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but on in terms of like tactics and opposition and, and all of that, until it's finally validated, a lot of what we talk about is theory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets validated in an unscientific manner. Well, there was this one guy a couple of years ago and he had a thing happen and it was like that. And he said he wished he did this or that, you know? Um, so there's, there's that difficulty. And then also looking at the experience of the instructors, like I am not, I've never, you know, taken another human life. I've never, never been in a gunfight. Uh, I don't, don't pretend to be, but does that, does that mean that I need to go get in a gunfight and then all of the things I've learned over the past decade are now true? Or are we able to learn things even though we don't have the experience? Now, experience is important, but Absolutely. there's that there's that hard, it, it's hard to kind of unpack the complexities that this industry holds because there's plenty of people who have plenty of experience, like for real, for real. They've been mm-hmm. there, done that. They have oh, yeah. no clue how to teach no clue how to build curriculum. They they only teach to their experience. They teach for ego. Like there's plenty of pitfalls. Or they only they only have one way to teach it because it's the one way that was taught to them. And right. that's right. that's another issue. Like to, to your point, they they won't just because they're good shooters themselves and have done a whole bunch of stuff does not mean that they're going to be good at teaching it. They can regurgitate the same thing that they've gotten if they can remember it. In some of these instances, these guys have been doing it for 20 plus years. I don't know about you, but I don't remember a lot about when I was 13. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The recall on that's going to be a little, mm, a little sure. off, I think. Yeah. Um, no, you're 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 spot on. You know, it's definitely there's plenty of people experience, but then that comes with, you know, I, we see a lot of controversies pop up in the community, especially on Instagram where everyone wants to yell at everybody weekly. Well, it's weekly because it's by design. Like dudes won't admit that they have a marketing plan that involves controversially calling out people in a negative light and stirring up trouble. But that, that is a viable marketing plan. And that marketing plan does work. So when you look at some dudes, sometimes you might want to think about the fact about whether or not it's by design. Uh, Yeah. controversy uh breeds discussion breeds and it, right. and it it draws in the clicks and whether you're there to shit on somebody or support somebody or even just to see the carnage right uh yep. that is exposure and that is the biggest piece of to your point that that's the biggest piece of any marketing campaign um or advertisement campaign really is just exposure and you know hey if you even if you're only hitting 60 percent are, are, right. are liking that post or, what, or whatever you're, you're looking you're for. Still, you're still getting something, right? Um, mm. Or you can do what Daily Dry Fire does and just take videos of yourself dry firing every day and that's it, right? And just let um, everybody drop their two cents in the comments below. Exactly. So, you know, and, and it becomes in the controversy when dudes with a, you know, law enforcement background are trying to talk about 
uh, concealed carry or due to the military background, I'm trying to talk about law enforcement tactics or vice versa. And everyone said, well, you can't talk about this because you weren't there. Everyone tries to throw resumes around and then everyone gets mad that people are throwing resumes around. So they say, don't throw your resume around. Show me what you really know today. And it, it just becomes this guy, giant mess. Yeah, it just it, well, it goes in a circle. You know, yeah. one feeds the other, feeds the other. And um, there and that's not to say there aren't some very well-rounded and ex- well-experienced guys that that really do check all those boxes out there. I think that's sure. kind of like that's kind of like what I think a lot of people would love to try and and uh, and learn from um, until they realize that it, they, then what the one thing that a lot of those individuals don't have is the accessibility piece. Right. <laughs> um, and I talked about this, uh, you know, my last episode, I had uh, Justin day from finest hour on. Okay. Uh, is uh, you can go sign up for the big company. You can go, you know, I think the example I used was like warrior poet, you know, cause everybody sure. likes John. Um, but just cause you sign up for warrior poet or you, you know, Hey, we're going to host a class here in Michigan. They're going to come out that does not guarantee you're going to get John Lovell, you know, just oh, like, I mean, rarely like the dudes yeah. at those level have a training division because they have a multi-division gigantic company. Right. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Uh, field field craft survival. That does oh, yeah. not mean you're going to get Mike Glover. Uh, Cause those guys are, you know, running a business and they also have families and other stuff going on. So it's uh, you know, and, and I, and that's not even to say that, John or Mike are perfect shining examples of the, you know, in the training space, they have a lot of military experience. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that what they're teaching is then the most applicable for civilian or law enforcement? I mean, maybe, right. It, it, it could. Um, So I think what's important for people to realize when they're looking into training is what are you trying to learn? If you're trying Mm -hmm. to learn good shooting fundamentals and, and safety and skill sets, then that really isn't what you should be looking for. Right. You want to look for an instructor that that can teach you those things and has had the experience of actually teaching it, not doing it, but teaching it. Because there's a lot of people, you know, I I teach music there. I, I am not the world's greatest musician. I think I'm an OK teacher. Mm-hmm. I know guys that are way better than me that have failed at the highest levels as an educator because they're just they're that talented themselves that they kind of get flustered and like burn out as an instructor because they lack the ability to communicate those points. lack of patience. Yeah. Lack of empathy, lack of, you know, being yeah. able to connect with students that it's like that. Uh, I always love the, uh, is the clip from goodwill hunting where they're talking about all the math, right. And Matt Damon's like the math genius and mm-hmm. his teacher is like, you know, we can't, this, this thing is an impossible problem. And he, you know, grabs papers. You know how easy this is for me. You know, how simple. And this is a joke. Like this is, this is, this is ridiculously easy for me. And it's easy for dudes that they get at the highest level to start to really look down emotionally on people that struggle because they have seen it done at the highest level. You know, you talk about mm-hmm. dudes that have been in you know, high level military units and they're CQB experts, just top of the line, right? They're, they're, no one is better at CQB in the world than those units. And they come out and some, you know, 29 year old insurance salesman wants to take a CQB class and he kind of walk through the house like Donald Duck. And he's tripping yeah. on stuff and he's bumping into thresholds and he, you know, he just, it's, he's struggling, right? That's where the, that's where I think the real instructors are made is how they deal with a student like that when they know they, they wish it could be so much better. 
They wish it could well, be and, so much more different. Because you don't have the the ripcord option like you did in the service or whatever, where you could just, hey, uh, you're a giant bag of shit. You're going to go push the ground for the next two hours while the rest of us finish here. Like, right. it's not or you're fired or you're out of the unit. Like, yeah, it's volunteer, person, volunteer only unit. It's highly selected. So we'll get something right. better. Right. That person paid their money. Therefore, they are, for I mean, lack of a better term, entitled to be there learning. Mm-hmm. Now you yep. could refund them the money, but that creates a whole other set of issues for yourself as a struggling professional. Right. So, right. Um, <clears throat> I, I actually had that happen this weekend, you know, talk about the old guys, the 1911 one mag class, not yeah. that gentleman, but another gentleman, just, you know, a very old, pretty bad mental degradation, just, you know, old people are starting to get less mentally there yeah. and, you know, violated a couple of range commands in a row and, Finally, I was like, nope, you need to go ahead and sit down and you can you you can observe the rest of the class. I'm happy to have you here as an observer, but safety's got to be paramount. And we just if you if you can't understand the range commands, then I'm gonna have to have you sit down. That's and gotta be awkward though. That's gotta be a pretty super, awkward conversation. Super awkward, man. It sucks. Um, yeah. but you know, he and he's trained with me twice before, once in like a lecture only the the Utah concealed firearms permit class, and he took like a intro pistol basics with me, a one-on-one. And now we're in a more advanced class. We're drawing the gun. Your gun is hot in your holster. And I'm saying, hey, go ahead and get your gun out. Make sure it's loaded. Everyone stand by five rounds, right? And that means, I've already told you several times, get your gun out, put it in you know, in front of your face with the muzzle up in the air and not sideways by your belly button. Flagging dangerous, everybody standing Dangerously next. close <laughs> to flagging the line. Yeah. So... You know, but and he and he totally got it and he was receptive and and he stood at, you know, sat out the last couple of drills and later on he was like, Yep, I get it. Safety's gotta be paramount. You know, I, I think I think I was I just these guys are a little bit more ahead than I of me than I was. And I was like, Well, it's not necessarily that. Like we're not necessarily talking about shooting anymore. We're talking about like how are you how's your life? Like, are you are you driving well? Are you making mistakes at red lights? Are you forgetting things around your house? Like you need to start having conversations with people about you you yeah, need to go you need goes, to go get this checked out yeah it goes a bit deeper than you know and maybe that's one of the positive things about this community too is you know it people that that end up i guess devoting themselves in the training space mm-hmm. um end up being more successful in other areas almost as just by like it just matriculates you know and i think sure. it's because you have something else to focus on you're more you have discipline Maybe it makes you happy. So you're just better, but it, and even in that regard, right? Like, Hey, um, this isn't personal. It's a safety mm-hmm. issue. And then have, you know, have you had this discussion with anybody? How are things going? You know, what's, what's going on? Um, I think that the community could be really good for a lot of that stuff. I mean, certainly building relationships and building rapport with people. Right. Um, and that's, it's supposed to, uh, make this fun. Right. Nobody, nobody supposed to be a positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and well, and we've all been to classes where dudes try to make it super intense and, you know, make it a suck fest and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, there's, there's a time and a place for that. But, uh, but that's for people who want the toughness aspect of it. You know, I, I, and there's people who don't, but, and sometimes that's important. I mean, for example, um, I'd been in the training, you know, as a student, I'd been a training nerd for years and had, you know, taken a bunch of big name people's classes and could shoot real good, all that. Um, and I was concealed carrying. I'd started, you know, actually carrying a firearm on a daily basis. And a lot of this was, you know, that talk about like prepared mindset. Like I was in that mindset of like, 
I'm going to protect myself, protect the people I'm responsible for. Like, this is for real. This isn't a game, you know, like self-defense is what I'm doing gun stuff for, which is a serious endeavor. And I knew I had never done any combatives. I had never done any physical fitness. I'd kind of plotted along, along, never taken it seriously. And I was like, I, I, I'm missing a huge portion of self-defense if I've never done any of that and I'm carrying a gun. So I went and took uh, Craig Douglas's uh, ECQC class, Extreme Close Quarters Concepts. Are you uh, familiar with that one? I am not, actually. Yeah, so Craig, uh, is he runs a company called ShivWorks. Um, oh, okay. Make... No, I've, I've, I've heard of ShivWorks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's this old, mean old man who wanders around the country uh, and having people you know, wrestling with guns, with simunitions, pistols at contact distance, and hitting each other over the, over the head with simunitions, pistols, and uh, knife defense and all that kind of stuff. So really intense scenario based force on force classes. So I went and took that and I was like, yep, like that's, that's what I need, you know? And yeah, it kind of stuck, you know, wasn't that great. Uh, got all beat up, got all shot up, but that really opened my eyes to really what I needed to focus on to be a well-rounded practitioner of self-defense, right? And to, to really focus on, okay, I got to go take a knife defense class because I have no idea what's going on there. So I took that and I went and took ECQC again. I took another combatants class and I took it, you know, from another guy and then, um, you know, ended up taking a couple more, another knife defense class even after that with uh, Aaron Gennetti, uh, knife control concepts. He's kind of a more modern guy, but great curriculum. And yeah, from, from there, you know, I never, I didn't take a rifle class for eight years or whatever. So I was like, yeah, well, I've taken rifle classes. I know how to shoot an AR, but is that a real good value for my time? Right. Because I think people, I think when you, when you have the conversation explicitly around self-defense, right? Like uh, on my way to and from my car at work, uh, mm-hmm. when I'm out and about, um, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's you, maybe you work in a bad part of town. You, I mean, I'm happy you brought up the knife bit because I've actually had people tell me I don't need to carry a gun. Um, like a friend who's a realtor mm-hmm. carries in like a, I mean, it, so it's a, he carries like a six inch fixed blade, but it, from what he described this thing as, I've never seen it, but like a shoulder holster, like an eighties, like Miami vice oh, yeah. holster, but it's know, like an underarm yep. for yep. like a, a fixed blade. And, you know, he's, he is a realtor. So he goes to shady parts of town sometimes and do you deal with commercial properties and, Sometimes they're not in the greatest of areas and, totally. you know, people, people wander up and stuff and um, I'm like, okay, cool. But have you looked into training for that? He's like, no, Hey, what's, right. what's, you know, what's to happen? Like I have two kids at home and a wife and I like, I'm, I'm going to make it home. Like I admire the, the mindset there and the, the grit and the determination, but that honestly doesn't amount to a whole lot when you know if it's that yeah we call that we call that or not just we but uh craig specifically and and a lot of people in that combative space call that mindset without a delivery system um if you don't have a a way a methodology of motor skills to do the thing that you want to do and you have desire to do that thing doesn't get done um you know people's like you know you just kind of hear people like lifting cars using adrenaline and that's their self-defense plan is i'm just going to get real strong and just figure it out. And it's like, well, while that has happened, there's people with no training that have protected themselves before. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's not plan a, 
that's not that's not how you build a plan for something yeah. right or it shouldn't be yeah you know and so, it's, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's important it's something you see way too much of and even even in the, you know i'll say even in the firearm space to a degree and that's something i've seen in, in a, you know i've only taken a handful of classes but like looking around you see guys running battle belts and stuff and it's, it's all good mm-hmm. um but then like a bunch of these guys all running like freaking fixed blade knives on their on their belts and everything and i'm yep. like uh okay what the hell is, like i don't i personally don't mm-hmm. um like what's going on and guys are like oh well it turns out like the one instructor that they've been to told me you should always have a knife and i'm like okay um do you know how to fight with a knife uh have you ever taken a class and i think one guy had but the other one was like he was super new in the last six months of shooting and he just bought all of his gear based off of friends recommendations he got all this stuff on and everything i'm like so do you understand the context behind why you're Yep. Why you're carrying that, why that can be an actual problem. Like you can actually, it was one of the things when I was growing up, like I told my dad, I was going to carry a knife and he's like, well, um, you're going to get hurt because someone's probably going to take that from you that knows how to use it. So right. I would not. And yeah. I didn't, I was the like, funny, oh, okay. the funny saying I've heard from dudes in the special operations community, you know, that see that is it takes 10 minutes to dress up like a commando and 10 years to become one. Mm-hmm. And there's that's plenty cool. of dudes that have all the gear, right? And they can put it all on, but they they know. And that doesn't just go with the like the skills portion because skills is what the the training classes are all there for is skills-based training, right? How do you draw the gun? How do you shoot the gun? How do you reload the gun? How do you shoot one target and then shoot another real fast? How do you move from A to B with the gun in your hand? How do you, that's all skills, right? And those are important. We need to come to classes and and do your dry practice and, get a good baseline of skill. You don't need to be a national champion, but you need to be good enough, right? But what people like me really would prefer to see is, okay, go get a baseline of skill and let's start applying those skills in, you know, in tactics and start to go to, to the opportunity to make decisions with this stuff. Go to force on force classes, go to scenario-based training, taking a knife defense class and trying to figure out how do you pull off the, how do you pull off the move that you pin his arms that you can free up your hand and get get your hand on your knife? How do you yeah. do that? You know, and and when is it appropriate? And and it, oh, his posture is a little too strong right now. If I try to go for it, he'll actually get behind me. And you know, you gotta you gotta put yourself in combative situations to start really start to learn that stuff. And it's the same thing with guns too. Like we you know talk about uh, you know low light pistols. Right, I have a low light pistol class that yeah we're gonna sit on the range and we're gonna turn our lights on and shoot a target and turn our lights off with three different holds, right? But very quickly, we're going to start doing that and applying it around cover and concealment and vehicles. And you're going to need to search to find the correct target. You're going to need to figure out what's the best piece of cover and concealment to be behind to engage that target with the right angle, you know, and really start to get you to start to think behind the gun because yeah, having someone with a, like I make this joke is you it, if you had two people and one of them has a sub-second draw stroke and no idea of when to apply it. The other dude has a two-second draw stroke and really, really good tactics and decision-making. That dude with the two-second draw stroke is going to pick the right time to go for the gun when he knows he has enough time. The dude Mm -hmm. with the one-second draw stroke is going to try and hope for the best and draw on a drawn gun when he's staring at a a gun over a convenience store counter and get shot in the face, you know, at point six. And and I I like that you brought up the low-light stuff because I feel like we see more of that Right. And when, you know, a lot of it, uh, 
influencers talking about you should always have a white light on your pistol and your rifle mm-hmm. or shotgun if you if you you know rock a shotgun and you should like i let's be i'm gonna be very clear i'm not saying that that is wrong i a hundred percent think you should however <clears throat> i think it's almost hilarious the number of people that spend the i don't know 120 to 400 dollars, depending on what you got right on a pistol light right uh, or a rifle light and then don't do any training and practicing with it you got it because and that was me like when yeah. i first got my my first tlr1 i was like man this thing looks badass not as badass as x300 but i can't afford that so yeah I, and i'm really happy it's, with this it's exactly 40 percent as badass as an x300 <laughs> it costs 40 yeah, percent exactly. <laughs> um i actually actually do prefer the controls on the tlr1 if i'm being honest but okay uh you know it's you get it you spend the money, you slap it on the, on the handgun, but then you don't practice with it. You go to your local range, right? Shooting in a bay. It's not like yeah. they're going to like, yeah, cool, man. Turn off the lights. I'm just going to run it a couple of times. No, that's not a thing. So then you think about dry practice and guys go, well, I mean, you can't really do much with a flashlight. It's on and off, but you can, right? So, I mean, things as simple as, like you said, the lights on. Okay. Turn the light off, perform uh, a reload lights back on back on target right. uh, seems simple uh you know you can set up dry fire targets do transitions turn the light off between you know sight pictures basic stuff that you would do dry with the lights turned on but there's that disconnect there and i think it's just the assumption by a lot of people like well i'll just i'll just again i'll just do it and then when you get it in context, I tried this. I think I saw it was knockout lights, uh, Mike, uh, on Instagram. And, I, and like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do some dry runs of this. Like, it'll be easy. Yep. Just turn, turn the light off and do a reload and turn it back on. I swear to God, I fumbled through that like the first five times. Like, I would yep. just snap the back the gun back up in the workspace and like, oh, didn't get the switch all the way. Or forgot to get the switch, went straight to the magazine because I'm trying to go fast. And it's just the amount of processing that goes on in your brain if you've never done it before like you will not rise to that occasion. Uh, and that's right. just one example. And the, no, I totally, I totally hear you and I agree. Right. And it's really, and so, so what I love is figuring out like, not just what are we teaching someone, but what are we teaching someone without teaching them that thing? So we can teach somebody a motor skill, uh, a slide lock reload. Right. Like we can say, Hey, here, like, so talk about building shooters. Like I've read building shooters, great book. Um, but if we look at, okay, we're going to do a slide lock reload and you can practice that a bunch. Awesome. You know, have a slide lock reload. Now we can contextualize things and say, is a slide lock reload a motor skill that you are going to need to solve the problem that you are trying to solve. And if you're a civilian in the U S and you're standing on my firing line, I'm going to go ahead and assume that the problem you're trying to solve is civilian self-defense in the U S right. Right. So we can look at the data and we can say unequivocally, no, you do not need, you do not need a fast slide lock reload to adequately defend yourself in public in, in the United States. You know, we just, we don't have a documented case of somebody pulling off a slide lock reload in the U S but that's not, we're not teaching you slide lock reloads to teach you slide lock reloads. We're teaching you slide lock reloads for your brain to get more confident working the tool in different ways. And that way, when some unorthodox weird thing happens, you have more confidence behind the gun to figure it out 
because you have better understanding of how the gun works. You have a better understanding how to, about how to move your hands efficiently, do different steps of a given process. So maybe when your gun malfunctions and you have to figure out a malfunction, you know, obviously we can practice malfunctions too, but we're not trying to make you to be a robot that knows exactly the four different ways of doing things so that you can do one of those four ways. It's that you can really start to figure things out and keep more of your, your front brain processor, you know, rational mind attached to the problem and the situation and the bad guy and the decisions you need to make and where your wife ran off to. And the gun stuff becomes more automated, even if the gun stuff you're doing isn't actually a slide lock reload. Well, yeah, because I mean, uh, you talk about working on a reload and that to your point, right? We look at the statistics and a lot of people lean on that. And it's honestly one of the things I hate the most is that like false confidence people have. Oh, I can carry a revolver because if you pass five rounds, you're fucked anyway. Like, well, I mean, if you want to get the fight already, that's your prerogative. That's a person Uh, who's looking at statistics from 1958, right? And and they just never updated anything. And we can look at the data and say, hey, you probably don't need a Glock 17 with a 21 round spare mag. You might. We have yeah, some documented because, cases of some 17 round gunfights, but yeah. And malfunctions happen. And where's the first place they usually happen? The magazine with, with right. modern technology and reliable firearms. As long as you care for your gun, you clean it semi-regularly. It doesn't have to be regularly, you know, lubricate it. as long as it's got lubrication. Yeah. It's going to be fine. More often than not, you're going to have some kind of failure to feed or maybe a failure to eject, which could be an ammo issue. It could be, but more often than not, it's probably a bad follower or something or a worn out spring if it's an older magazine. That would be a reason you would execute some kind of either a slide lock reload or uh, an emergency reload, I mean, whatever you want to call it. But having mm-hmm. the motor skills to you know perform that reload or identify the stoppage and then perform the reload are all things that a lot of people look at that and they go, you'll never need that. You're not getting in a gunfight. You need six to eight rounds or whatever the statistic is. I don't know, you know, and they, they poo poo on the, on the, the uh, emergency reload, slide lock, reload, tack reload, mm-hmm. whatever reloading in general, obviously like your gentleman with his 1911, I've right. never needed an extra magazine before until the day that you do. Well, here's, so here's an interesting addition to that. So, um, so yeah, I uh, you would look at data or statistics or all that kind of stuff. I do a relatively high amount of research on the amount of re- you know, the data that I can find on this problem. We don't have good data on it, and you know, we're we're really never going to probably. Um, but we have the data that you know we can get, you know, mm-hmm. and we can look at real world scenarios, look at camera footage, draw, you know, dash cam video, body cam video, uh, security camera footage and stuff, and we can notice trends about what's happening. I'll tell you the most common reason for mag- for malfunctions that I have found. So I've I've watched quite a, lot, quite a lot of videos and I've seen some guns malfunction in fight. Uh the most common reason I see is entanglement and interference with the gun. We look at civilian self-defense, very very commonly dudes fight over a pistol over a convenience store counter or at the front door of a home invasion and they're struggling your toy my toy your toy my toy and yeah fighting over the gun, somebody rings a shot off with somebody's hand half on and half off the slide. The slide goes back halfway and now the gun has a malfunction, right? That happens a ton, you know? So a lot of times we look at it as a mechanical failure of the piece and not necessarily, um, you know, the, the actual circumstances that we're using the gun in. So what that malfunction is and how to fix it is going to be wildly different 
situation yep. by situation because that's one of the that's a tough malfunction to solve. So that's when we start to look at our flat range stuff and say, okay, well, if we categorize them into like these type ones, type twos, type three, uh, we have these seven different ways to fix malfunctions. It's like, man, what if we had one way and it was empty the gun to zero and then reload it? You know, right. uh, that, that's always going to fix every malfunction unless the gun is actually broken. So, you know, I, that's what I see from people in the self-defense space that get a malfunction is they, you know, they flat out have something in an entanglement. Now, very often in that case, I haven't seen people fix the malfunction, uh, but that's a lack of training. There's, there's lots of reasons why that might be in place. Right. Yeah. No, so. I mean, it's, it, it could even come down to, to poor technique. I mean, I remember giving a buddy, my, my clock 43 X like, Hey man, you ever shot yep. a handgun and <clears throat> Hey, there's the teacup grip and he's limp wristing it. He gets one shot and stovepipe. Right. And I'm watching, I'm going, wow. I mean, I've, I've never had an issue with that gun. <laughs> I have never had an issue. Wow. Okay. So I take it and we clear it and goes to shoot again. Same damn thing. I'm like, all right, um, here, let me help you with your, your support hand here and try it like this. And squeeze uh, it really hard. Yeah. He know. got, he got the next two or three off. I think I only put five in the gun for him. I think he got the next three off without an issue. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, you want to do it again? He's no, I'm all right. Okay, man. It's just, okay. it's not, it's not, uh, I mean, I mean, it's not for everyone. If you're more comfortable with a rifle, then, you know, and he's a big hunter. So like, cool. Handgun's not your thing. I actually applaud sure. you not, not carrying one if you're not confident and educated on how to, how to use it. So right. Right. Th- in that instance, I would say it's probably the better decision. Now I would also say in the same breath, you should get one and get training, but if you're not going to, then yeah, don't carry it. You'd be more of a, this is something I've said before, like, it's it's absolutely uh, a responsibility carrying a firearm for self-defense. It is not a, it's, I have to be careful to how I say this. People get real, real torqued up is it's like, cause you know, it's a right second amendment. It's a right. And it's not a privilege. Yeah. Mm. And I, and I, in the context of that discussion, yes, that second amendment is, is ultimate and above all else. I am not, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying is that it's, from a reasonable amount of responsibility, right? Like that is a responsibility. You are carrying that firearm. You're carrying the ability to take a human life. If for no reason, you take justice, the system out of it altogether for your own morality, right? right? You should, you should be educated enough to be capable and and competent with that weapon system. Um, Whether, and and honestly, that could be anything, whether it's a knife or a slingshot, or you know, a, a hand a car, or whatever. You know, a car. Yeah, Maybe we, just, uh, we can we can sell cars without asking for a driver's license. You know, what if yeah. what if that was the world that you talking to some buddy at a barbecue and he's like, dude, I just got to buy a new Corvette and all that kind of stuff. It's super awesome. Where you're looking at it in the driveway, he's like, I've never driven a car before, but I'm gonna go take it on the freeway. Yeah, dude, dude, dude don't. That. Nope, nope. Give me your fucking keys, man. Sorry for the curse word, but um, I, swear. I don't, I don't give I a fuck. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like you, you would be horrified because you know that the person doesn't have the mental capability, like the, the motor skills and the training and the practice and the knowledge to operate the machine. Like you don't, you don't give chainsaws to nine-year-olds that have never hold, held a chainsaw before. That's, that's irresponsible and negligent. So we don't give heavy machinery to people that, you know, shouldn't have it. And, and right now you can buy heavy machinery with no qualifier, you know, and people look at government as the answer where they're like, Hey, well, like, dude, you know, how do we fix that problem? It's like, well, governments rarely the government shouldn't, they shouldn't be the one to fix that. Rarely the answer, but you should should be the one, one, you know, being an example 
like lead by example and show people what a professional gun owner looks like. Like other people are watching you when you tell people you own guns and you're at a party, there's no guns, you're not concealed carrying, you're in conversation with people. Do you seem like the type of person that some other person at the party who doesn't like guns only sees them on the news, kind of politically anti-gun, just doesn't really, just doesn't really dig them. Do you seem like a kind of person that they would go, yeah, I, I'm cool with that person having a gun. Like they know what they're like, they know what they're doing. Not they know what they're talking about, meaning you spout out a bunch of trite gun store gun store sayings and jokes and all that kind of stuff about gun culture, but like you you actually are a professional behind the gun. Like be that and show people what it looks like. And yes. if that means you need to go take a class, go take a class. That means you've taken four classes and you love looking good on the content that that instructor puts out on their Instagram and stuff like that. And you're like, I went to, I get to go to this, I get to meet this cool instructor, but you don't do any dry practice. And every time you pick your guns up every three months, it still feels kind of new and you keep forgetting things from class. You need to do your dry practice, right? Yeah. So the things well, that we it's, need to it's, do are important. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your, your overall presentation. And I think some people take it for granted um, you know, like when people ask you about it, I mean, I, I kind of take it as a compliment when I have a friend mm -hmm. that's like, Hey man, I'm thinking about getting into a gun. What do you think? Uh, yep. I actually had the discussion this weekend with a buddy who owns a 1911. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, when I bought it, uh, you know, I was going to school in a bad part of town and everything at the time, we just didn't know any better. We thought the bigger, the round, the better the gun. So me and, you know, we, we both bought 45s. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could. That, that's not technically incorrect. Like scientifically speaking, the forty-five does pack more of a punch than a nine millimeter. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, "Well, you, what do you carry?" I go, "Well, I, I you know carry a Glock, you know, forty-three X or whatever." And he's like, "So that's a nine millimeter." Go, yeah. And he's like, "Well, I was thinking about getting into a nine millimeter, something a little bit smaller, something a little bit lighter that I could carry and and do some more stuff with because this nineteen eleven is really just." not uh, comfortable to carry. It was really sure. you know, you know, like carrying a boat anchor around strapped to your, your hip. Yeah. And I, I, I like that people feel confident enough. Uh, and obviously this is a friend. So he knows about this podcast. He knows that I shoot and train and all that stuff, but I, you know, it's a certain level of comfort. Like I would, wouldn't go when I was getting ready to buy my first gun. I didn't go to just anybody I knew that, that hunted or shot or whatever. I sought out a couple specific people. One of them was a Michigan state trooper good friend of mine. The other ones, it was a, a attack P in the air force for six years. Another good friend of mine, like, guys, um, looking to get into a gun. Um, what are your thoughts? Where right. do I, start? what do I look for? Right. And well, they both set a Glock. I ended up going with an M and P shield, <laughs> which only cause that's what they had in, in, in stock. And I didn't like a dumbass. I didn't want to wait, uh, wait a week. And uh, I still have the shield. I fucking hate that gun. I do. I can't shoot that thing for, is an old old Gen One? It is shield. It is. Yeah, yep. no, I, I have one of those, um, and I've actually have a couple, and they're the they're the cheapest. And old like back when the Gen Ones were still like you could find old stocks of Gen Ones when the Gen Twos had come out, but mm -hmm. you could still buy Gen Ones on like RSR and stuff like that, and they were two hundred and twenty dollars for three mags and a shield. Yeah. And it's like okay, that's that's the Liberty pistol of the modern day. You know what a Liberty pistol is? It's, it looks just like a shield, but it's not a shield. Right. Yeah. And you know, so it's like, okay, these are the, these are the conscript pistols that some dude out there, I guarantee you bought 30 of them and has holsters and three mags 
and all in a mag pouch for every one of them. And they're in little boxes. And when the community, the riots happen again, the giant civil war happens or whatever crazy stuff goes on in the world. He's going to say, guess what? You all have a concealed carry pistol that I bought for $200 back in yeah. 2018. It was crazy. It was crazy affordable. I mean, even when, when I bought mine, it was, it was brand new. Uh, my brother got the 40, got a Glock 43, which is what I had wanted. And I kind of settled on the shield and, uh, it was like 400 bucks. It wasn't a bad yeah. deal. And yeah, it came yeah. with more bags and stuff, but, um, that's, that is where I think, uh, I give people more advice now is, you know, if you have the extra money and you want to go try some things, you can go to a range and here's a, here's like two that I would rent, maybe three. Cause that's, it gets expensive pretty quick. Sure. Cause you have to use the range ammo. Um, or if somebody more often than not, they already have something in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the Springfield Hellcat. I really like the 365. Okay. Um, you know, I would stay away from Springfield. Here's my personal reasons why I don't like Springfield. Take it or leave it. Sure. Um, I wouldn't go with the 365 and it's because I have gigantic fucking bear mitts for hands and I held one and I couldn't even form my grip correctly. So I don't like it. If you have smaller hands and you may love it, go ahead and check one out. Like no big deal. You're asking what I would recommend. I like Glocks, 43X, 48. Um, if they have it at 26, maybe if you want to get full size, uh, well, it's actually just a grip. The, the width is full size anyway. Yeah. I'd so, I mean, my recommendation that I tell people in general, like just in general, the mm-hmm. Glock 48 MOS is my recommendation, like barring, barring something else weird. Let's go with a Glock 48 MOS. It's got 10 rounds in the magazine, you know, 11 plus one in the chamber. It's got a full length barrel. So you're getting full velocity for self-defense loads. You have red dot capability, you have light capability, you have aftermarket support, you have all that kind of stuff. So that's my in general, right? I carry a Glock 19 Gen 5 uh, MOS with a hollow sun on top and a, and a streamlight TLR7. Um, but, you know, that's my general recommendation. But, I, I, you know, I teach a ton of new shooters. Like, that's my my biggest client is... Yeah, you know, I, I work, I'm the training director at a, at a large indoor range in Salt Lake City. And I teach our pistol basics class. I teach our, our concealed firearms permit class. So there's those are the classes people go to when they know nothing. They've never shot a handgun before. They've never held a handgun before. Yeah. Uh, and they're looking for recommendations, right? So I get to teach a lot of that, like 10 to one for all of my like advanced pistol classes and stuff, which are the training nerds and, and all that kind of stuff, which I love to teach. Uh, but I, I love both, but um yeah no there's we're spoiled for choice nowadays like someone who hasn't looked at the market in five years would would we'd kill to have the amount of choice that we have nowadays back in five years ago it was all about the uh ruger lc9 and the uh mnp shield and the glock 43 and that was pretty well i mean and because we still had that misconceived notion that um smaller guns were the only way to conceal carry Right. right. Um, maybe a little more than five years ago, but well, uh, I mean, I've, there's still there's it's interesting to to look at the pedigree of where people come at this industry from, because you can look at, you know, dudes that were our Thunder Ranch. Like, let's like, you know, we all know Clint Smith at Thunder Ranch and there's dudes that have he's been teaching a long time. Right. Yeah. And you have people that are that style of instructor, that style of shooter. They, you know, still shoot kind of in a modified Weaver stance. They like 1911s. They like full-sized guns. They like multiple spare magazines. You know, they wear a fishing vest and they think that that's concealment and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, and they carry a, a they're like, you have to have, carry a handheld flashlight. So 200 lumens is plenty. 
And then you have dudes that are, you know, super into gear and they have every mod light head known to man and they have a Glock 17 with a compensator on it and a, the best red dot and the best weapon metal flashlight and, you know, all these cool things. So they just love the accessorizing they got a stipple job and they got this and they got they just keep they just keep doing things. You know, they buy special clips for their holster and then they buy this and then they buy that and then they buy this. And it's like, okay, you know, those dudes sometimes are super squared away shooters and sometimes they just buy the gear, right? And then you have people that come at it from the like pocket pistol pedigree where they they thought the North American Arms 22 Derringer was like the cutest thing in the world. And they carried one of those and then eventually they got to a Glock 42 and then they, they were like, maybe I can get away with a Glock 43. And yeah. it's like, bruh, come on, let's, let's carry, like, you know, I always use the joke of uh, men in black when they're oh, getting the, all the alien guns together. Right. And the they noisy cricket. Together, they're like, here's the M17 noisy cricket. It's like, dude, I don't want to go to a gunfight with a noisy cricket. Like, even if that gunfight could be solved with that noisy cricket, do you really want to like, you got to imagine, you got to visualize, not just everyone visualizes like, the bad guy putting his hood up, drawing a knife and slowly walking towards you. And then you get to draw your gun with no interference, pop, pop, pop. And the dude falls down. And that's where everybody's visualization stops. But it's like you, you visualize the entire neighborhood coming up in arms because they love that guy more than they loved you. And you now have an angry crowd of people screaming and wailing and his yeah. sister-in-law is running over. And there's all this complexity. <laughs> you have two rounds left in your gun. And yeah, the cops I mean are 18 minutes away. And that's, and so the, the comparison I give people, cause usually the questions I get is like, well, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, Hey, here's this, hold this full size Glock or full, this full size MNP. You know, no, 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 no. I, I, I just need something small. I just like had an aunt that wanted me to take her to the range and she'd come over to the house and I was like, well, here, here, this is unloaded. Like hold this. We'll, you know, show you. And no, no, no. I, I do have something smaller. And I go, that's not going to help. Oh, it'll help me go. Well, think about it this way that truck outside in the street that has a giant Hemi motor in it, all that power. If you take that motor out and put it in a Volkswagen Beetle, are you going to be able to control that motor in that small little car? Well, not really. I go, well, that's the same thing. You know, they're both nine millimeter. So it's the same explosion. It's the same thing, but you're going from a large, heavy or heavier, more controllable package down to something that you're going to struggle to hold on to. So, you yeah. really do want to go with something like I might, I wish I would have bought a full size pistol as my first gun because mm-hmm. I hated going to the range for the first year and a half because I struggled so much with that stupid shield. And then eventually I did get a full size M went and shot that thing. I was like, wow, this is so much more fun. This yes. is so fun. I love this. And I think for the next like year and a half after that, I don't think I shot that shield. <laughs> I think totally. I, just, totally. I shot the M and I, I always just say in general, smaller guns are harder to shoot. Bigger guns are easier to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get more of your hands on them and they're heavier and soak up recoil better. And then people go, huh, you know? Yeah. So it's been fun. I quite enjoy, you know, what I get to do and I get to make, you know, a good significant impact, especially on people's start to their training journey. You know, I love giving the opportunity to give people a, a, a good path forward into this game. Cause I don't teach super big, super advanced classes. You know, I teach a, a basic and advanced pistol class for four and eight hours respectively. And my, my, and my training philosophy with a lot of things is again, the problem we're trying to solve, right. I'm, I'm trying to prepare you for an event and you're going to give me eight hours. That's what you've chosen to pay for. So I'm going to make those eight hours 
whether you're already a good, super good square away shooter, or whether or not you're kind of learning and it's kind of new, but I'm trying to set those eight hours up so that you have the best chance of success. If that problem happens on the way home from the range, right? Yeah. I have to assume but, this is the last time I'm going to see you and I got to set you up for success as best I can. But I mean, to the point we made earlier, uh, in, in probably nine out of 10 scenarios, having those strong fundamentals, uh, even, I mean, cause people think the advanced pistol course, the advanced, even carbine course, right. Mm-hmm. And they think that they're not addressing fundamentals and it's really not the case. Uh, right. you're, you're still, if you're not addressing them directly, perhaps, but they're still there, they're obviously they're ever present in what you're doing. And <clears throat> nobody wants to just sit on the line and do ready up drills. Cause that doesn't, that doesn't look fun. That doesn't feel like the stuff that you're really going to get value out of Um, until you try to do some of those more advanced things. And you realize that you can't do any of it. And it's because your foundation is built from, you know, clay and it's just going to crumble under you. And I think that depends on the level of performance that you're asking the student to perform at, right? Because we can sit there and do performance-based things Mm -hmm. for a long time and get value out of it. Right. Um, where it's like we can sit here and do throttle control drills and, you know, do a lot of USPSAs and try to really squeeze out every ounce of time and get everything super efficient and do visual, you know, performance based shooting stuff, you know, to really get your your shooting really squared away. But if we've never taught you how to use cover and concealment and you have a, a 1.1 second draw stroke and like all of that, it's like, well, is that the only skill you're going to need to know? Well, I mean, you're going to need to know that skill, but there's a lot more of the game, right? So do we get you to a, a 1.9 second draw stroke where you can draw the gun, but you can do some dry practice and you're going to get that down in a couple of weeks and all that kind of stuff. And then do we immediately start to move into shooting on the move, the use of cover and concealment, and you're never going to get a draw stroke faster than that in my class. You know, but that is a fast enough draw stroke objectively when we look at the data, the, you know, statistically, like we don't see a lot of people with a 1.9 second draw stroke dying mid draw stroke, right? They just well, weren't fast enough. And even if you are so hung up on statistics, right? If you want to be just, if you're a very methodical and logical person, you want to look at being able to quantify your survivability, I guess. Um, to your point there, you know, um, if you're, I, I mean, I guess if, if you're looking for a number, something that I learned in the, the one concealed carry tactics course I took was a tooler drill, right? So it's like yep. what, 20 feet or 20 yards. Yeah. Or something. So Dennis, Dennis tool, they, they go. So yeah, at 21 feet, seven yards is, and one Den, and Dennis Tuller was a, a Salt Lake city PD officer several decades ago and did a large study on, um, basically we looked at how, how far could somebody armed with a knife or a bat or some kind of hand weapon run in the amount of time it takes the average officer of the day to draw and fire around. So the average officer, they, they did a lot of testing. They figured out the draw stroke speeds of a lot of officers. They looked at the running speed of people in that average and the curves intersected on the study at about 21 feet um, to, to try and tell people, Hey, a dude with, with a knife could run pretty far before you could get your gun out. It's kind of the, yeah. the point of his study. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I thought, I mean, I had never heard of it before until that class and it kind of put things in a nice, like little perspective of, okay, do you need to have a sub second 
draw from concealment. I mean, some people can do it. A lot of people can't. It's very difficult. Um, do you really need it? And is there really value there? Like at what point do you really need to be pushing yourself? And at what point are you spinning your wheels? Cause we have a finite amount of time and resources for training and things like yeah. that. And then no um, one argue, no one argues that it's bad, right? No one argues that you mm-hmm. shouldn't have a sub second draw stroke, but time is limited, right? And we have to make decisions that maybe that might be a misallocation of resources for certain people under certain problems. If you're, if you're literally like someone who is going to try to get into USPSA, like that's the problem you're trying to solve. You're trying to solve how to be good at USPSA. Then our training priorities are going to change, right? Just like right. it, just like with fitness, just like with anything else, you know, you want to run marathons or you want to be a power lifter, you know, and there's strength always helps when it comes to fitness. So we can always get you stronger, right? Strength isn't a bad thing, but yeah. if you only have so much time, we might allocate it to something else versus you know, trying to, trying to get you strong for a very short period of time or something like that. Yeah. And I think once you start, once you start down that path and you have those conversations, right. People start having those realizations that, uh, you don't have to get perfect at skill set a, before you can move on to skill set B before you can move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to some extent that might be true, but I think that's yeah. more, that's more a prioritization of, you know, uh, of skill sets than it is necessarily like that you have to max it out. It's not like a video game where you max out all your attributes and then you, you know, get to prestige and then speed. start with the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and once you kind of get that perspective, right? Like it, it makes it easier to have those discussions and people are a little bit easier on themselves, which I actually think makes it easier to get better faster when you stop being so hypercritical and just start, I mean, to an extent you just relax we just think about having a little bit more fun with it uh, yep. in the sense of being on the range and not being so critical and like freaking out because the next guy is faster than you. Um, you Man, I, emotional state I, stuff is super important when it comes to any any motor skill training, but specifically yeah. firearm oh, training, like being in the right state of mind. It's huge. Everything. It's Especially every- with people that have never handled firearms before. Yep. They're already nervous enough just being there like, oh my God, I don't know what the hell's going And that just highlights the importance of like training. So you're yeah. confident and you understand. That's, I, that's one of the things I see as a test of people's instructorship for other instructors and see mm-hmm. how well they can they can manipulate a student's emotional state based on their required end goal. And it show, it requires a lot of emotional intelligence to really see past how the student's doing, right? And, and just how the class is going versus how they're feeling. Even if they haven't said they're stressed, they haven't really maybe even acted stressed, but can you read the read them and say, ah, man, this person's like, they're, they're discouraged because they're next to this dude. Who's a USPSA champion on the line. And they're trying to figure things out. And this dude next to them is just like blowing them away at every drill. And that dude's kind of being impatient and exacerbated when this new student is struggling to like get their mags back loaded and tack reload and think their way through the post procedure to get ready for the next drill and stuff. So it's like, okay, Let's move them to the other side of the line. So they're not even around somebody who's rolling their eyes, you know, or, Hey, maybe I can tell this person some better jokes and get them a little happier, even though, yeah, their shooting wasn't what they wanted to be. And that person's like picking themselves too hard about the fact that they flinched a little bit. And it's like, okay, I think that's, that's a huge part of being a effective instructor, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the civilian space. And I know some people will disagree with me on that. I honestly don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is huge, especially when you're talking about trying to arm a civilian populace and desensitize people who are uh, uh, 
anxious about firearms purely because they don't know, not because they maybe hate them or are convinced that they're the problem in the world, but because they just don't know. So you're trying to have a, a soft introduction via training and experience, right? Trying to get them to have a little bit of fun, want them yep. to come back and do this again, right? You have to, to your point, right? Emotionally handle that in a way that's going to make it a positive experience. Um, you know, otherwise what, what, you know, they do a recap of the class. Well, what did you do today? Spent $700, got yelled at all day. I feel like shit. And I'm going to go home and stress eat. I'm like, yeah, cool. So bad, bad shit all the way around. And right. you're probably never coming back again. Exactly. Right? So yeah, that's, that's, that's where I see a lot of good instructors that I recommend. I've seen them do that. And I know, okay, you know, your curriculum, like you, you're good. You're good with the shooting stuff. Part of this deal. Now you have the the mental bandwidth to look at the student themselves because you see plenty of people who call themselves an instructor, right? And just, they like to shoot, you know, I I love when I'm like, Hey, so like, tell me about your background. Like, you know, like, well, I've been around guns all my life. But if you, if that's your first thing that comes out of your mouth, I, that means nothing. It means actually that you don't understand that that means nothing. And you're still saying it. That's a big red flag when That's I see your dudes. Strong indicator. Yeah. If you don't get that, that doesn't mean anything and that you have being a serious student is much different than being a casual hobbyist. Right. That's, yeah. that's big for me. Well, so. and there's no, uh, there's no real qualification to, to call yourself an instructor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Teachers, you have to go to college and get a teaching certificate and pass background check by the school board or whatever. I mean, technically to be an instructor, you just got to find either a gun range that'll hire you or, uh, you could on your yeah. own find a way to get people together and pay you. I mean, an NRA instructor certification is a weekend course, you know, Saturday and Sunday. Don't need any prior experience. You need to shoot a, a basic untimed, Un, no draw basic marksmanship call and you're now an nra basics pistol shooting instructor uh, the uscca has a arguably better program theirs is, is more relevant and, and and better off um, but they still don't include the draw stroke in their uh, live fire instructor qualification so they, you're they now don't? A, nope so it's, it's a it's a marksmanship qualification so so yeah okay so for people listening just make sure you heard that correctly like how do you carry a gun yeah. in a holster? Think what of the, are requiring the, a draw stroke. <laughs> the the class is called concealed carry and home defense fundamentals. So to get certified in the concealed carry and home defense fundamentals class, as of now, maybe they change it in the future. Um, but there's no draw stroke included. And I'm like, yeah, but now these people are instructors, right? It's and pretty I was like, fundamental to skip over. That's like I'm gonna right. teach you to cook, but I'm not we're not gonna go over how you use the stove. You're just right. going to know that. It's like, yep. I would beg to differ, but right. uh, and so, I'm, I'm, as somebody who could burn water, you know, I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> okay, even I can figure that out. But yeah, no, when you look around instru- instructors around the country, there's a huge disparity in skill level. And you have people that have 25 years of military special operations downrange experience. And you have dudes that are take, took a weekend course and are saying they're an instructor. And guess what? They might both be terrible instructors. One dude wants to talk nothing about his war stories and his ego. The other dude took a class from a cool dude like that. And all he does is parrot that dude's war stories 
to inflate yeah. his ego, but neither yeah. one of them are professionals in the craft of shooting performance in civilian self-defense, you know, dudes, when dudes are like, you know, oh yeah, I went down range and stuff like that. And you know, I was, in, I was in the 82nd airborne in Afghanistan. I'm like, okay, so like, let's talk about, you know, do you have, you know, experience about carjackings and being by yourself in a thin skinned vehicle in a combatives problem with concealed pistols on your end and on his end that you're trying to stuff his draw access your pistol while you're getting beat down between your driver's side door and the frame of your car. Like that's, yeah. that's the problem we're trying to solve. Well, and, and your, people your experience reach, is fine, but you can reach you know, out and ask that too. Like that, that is one of the redeeming qualities of social media is you can just message the instructor. Now yeah. you are, I mean, they could lie. They could and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to, don't yeah. you worry. You'll be fine. But a lot of instructors out there that are genuinely looking to do the right things for the students will just let you know, like, hey, um, that's really not, that's not where I uh, have had a lot of experience where I excel. This is more what I do. But I can, and and in several instances, I'm sure they'll say, but I do know so-and-so at whatever company who does a great job with that. I would recommend looking them up. Here's their name and contact info. Shoot them a message. See if you can get in class with them. Exactly. And that's and that's an important part of being a student in this game too, of picking the right instructor, but also not just picking the right instructor and saying, okay, we found I found a guy near me. Yeah. That is he might be a good instructor, but you have to train with multiple people and get different schools of thought on stuff. I mean, one of the we're all nerds about something in the game, right? Some dudes love long range rifles. Some dudes love low lights. Some dudes love combatives and jujitsu. Some dudes love whatever. The thing I really have probably studied the most intently is vehicles and, and what does a civilian self-defense situation in and around vehicles look like? And there's huge disparities in different people's vehicle tactics. I've taken classes with, you know, quite a bit of the high name people um, on vehicle tactics stuff. And dudes, dudes teach, like black and white level, you know, levels of disparity between their recommendations about how to fight around vehicles. So it's like, okay, like whether this guy's right and this guy's wrong or this guy's right and this guy's wrong. It's my job to look at as much information as possible, contextualize it to my situation and give myself the best answer for my own self-defense as a student. But then as an instructor, that's that, that responsibility is even higher of saying, okay, we really need to look at different ways of of teaching this and what's really going to work for the people that I am teaching and and filter it out. Don't just parrot somebody else's stuff um, and make it, you know, make it original. So and that's just part of your responsibility. Like you said, as a student to when you're vetting those instructors, you have to be able to articulate what you're looking for. And it, and, right. it, and it can be difficult. And to an extent, it could be, you know, scary, but you ha- if you can't articulate what you're trying to get training on yet, at least to some degree, then maybe you're not ready to take training. Maybe you need to work on it more, think about yeah. it more, talk to somebody more, or uh, go to lower, or go to go go to just more basic classes. You know, yeah, and there's there's, there's totally classes fine. at every price level and skill level, and you and yeah. saying, hey, this class is not the end all be all of what I'm looking for. This is some little four hour thing or three hour thing, and I'm gonna see the instructor and I'm looking at. Not just what is he teaching, but why is he teaching it? I'm going to go and I'm going to have a good time and do what he tells me to do and do it his way and stuff. And then that way, this other eight-hour class comes up and it's a little more expensive and stuff. Uh, You're going to get more out of that eight-hour class because you have perspective 
right or wrong. You know, mm-hmm. you might say, oh yeah, like, okay, this is definitely really squared away or, oh no, the first class I took, the dude was way better. He was more articulate. He had better curriculum. This guy is a joke and all that, but it gives you that, gives you that perspective, which is important. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, that, that really is part of the learning process is being able to start to decipher for yourself what works, what doesn't, what you, I mean, cause what some one person likes may not be this. I mean, it could be teaching, totally, it could be teaching totally. styles. Could both preference, be, yeah, preference and good all pieces of information, good instructors. But if it's not good for you, I mean, that's, that's actually the beauty of being a civilian is you can pick who's instructing you and uh, you know, where your money's going and, and how you're applying all that. So exactly. Um, but uh, Chris, I know we're, we're kind of coming up to it, man. This has been, this has been really cool. Honestly, Dude, uh, this has been I feel great, like right? it's been an hour and a half, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, where can people uh, find more information about what you're doing with Odyssey? If they want to just look it up or, or look into getting into a course or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. So um, my website is odysseytrainingllc.com. That's O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y trainingllc.com. Nobody knows how to spell Odyssey and it frustrates me to no end. Um, but check out the Instagram, uh, odyssey underscore TC, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y underscore uh, TC. Uh, I got plenty of educational con- content on there, plenty of memes uh, to keep you entertained, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll be teaching, uh, here all around the Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake city area, Utah area. We're going to have a great year of, of fun classes. I've got the basic and advanced pistol classes scheduled out pretty far. Um, I've got a big collaborative class called the EDC performance expo next month, uh, which is pretty much sold out at this point, but it's gonna be a fun class. I'll get to teach my specialty as part of a, a collaboration with other instructors. So I'll be teaching intro to vehicle defense. Uh, I'll be coming out with a rifle class later this year. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, keeping everything in context, keeping everything focused on the problem we're trying to solve. We're not out there to just have fun and, and burn ammo. Uh, we're really trying to build good skill sets for, for civilian self-defense, keeping the people that we're responsible for safe. Uh, so feel free to check it out and we'd love to have you guys in class. Love it, man. It's all, it's great stuff. Uh, I, and anybody listening, I highly encourage if you guys are in the area, uh, look up what Chris is doing. Um, if nothing else, you should find another source of information. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, when I was learning music, I, one of the, the best things for me is that we changed instructors every couple of years with the group I was in and it got so many different perspectives, uh, even if it was just stuff I didn't like, um, you know, right. you, and you've experienced it and you know, so, uh, all good stuff there, man. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've, you're like squeezing me in between work. No, thank you, man. I, I've got, I've got a full time. I got a 50 hour a week, full time job. I've got a company I'm running. I got a four month old and I'm buying a house. So the hustle is the, the, the hustle is high right now. I'll tell you that, but no, dude, thanks for having me on. I love the opportunity. You know, these are always great to, to talk through things and, and see a new audience. I'm a big fan of your channel and stuff. So you put out great content. So keep it up. Appreciate and, it. uh, yeah, no, thanks for your time, man. No, absolutely. We'll, we'll be in touch and, uh, we can do this again in the near future here. Excellent. What an outstanding conversation. Uh, Chris is a super uh, articulate guy, really nice dude. And uh, you can tell just very, very passionate about what he's doing with uh, not just Odyssey, but, you know, training in general. Uh, Because truth be told right now, that's Odyssey isn't his full-time gig. Um, But his full-time gig, in addition to Odyssey, is still teaching, training, and running curriculum at a local range. And that's what it's about, man. You know, I think that those people uh, that fill those kinds of roles uh, honestly touch 
the most gun owners uh, out there, right? A lot of people look to their local establishments and local ranges as, uh, you know, a a place for answers and support. So um, can't applaud him enough for the the effort and the work that he's putting in, uh, again, not just with Odyssey, but with with training in general. And, you know, now that he's getting ready to ramp up more with Odyssey training uh, and consulting, I I honestly, I think he's going to do great with that. And if you guys are in the area, seriously, Go check out what Chris has got going on, man. Uh, you know, get the information and get the training. You know, you need to to vet out multiple sources. You know, different ways to look at things, different perspectives. Uh, you know, I mentioned it there in the pod. You know, one of the one of the the best things for me when I was growing as a musician was that I learned from people that did things all kinds of different ways. Uh, in some instances, they were two individuals that came from the same you know, other organization, but just had different perspectives on how to approach things. And were both just amazing, amazing instructors for me and left, you know, lasting impressions on me as a musician. Same thing goes with shooting, man. People like Chris out there, they're doing great things and they're, they're impacting so many people. Uh, I, I just, I can't say, you know, enough, how awesome it is, what he's doing and, and what he's, he's working towards. So definitely check him out, check out his website, give him a follow on Instagram, support the people out there doing the good work like that. Uh, I, I certainly look forward to trying to get Chris back on the pod in the future to talk again. Uh, you know, one of the things I realized is we were, you know, almost done with our time together is we didn't even get into rifles. We really didn't dive into anything other than just, you know, self-defense and mindset and, and fundamental training. There is so much to get into with it. So uh, great guy. I, I just have nothing but, but just great things to say about uh, being able to sit down and talk with Chris. And I really do mean it when I say that, I, you know, I'm looking forward to doing it again in the future. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, and that's, that's our goal. You know, we're going to keep bringing, you know, great people on the pod here keep having these awesome conversations to bring, uh, you know, access to that good information for all of you out there that are, that are looking to learn and experience all of this with us. But that's all I have for this week's episode. Again, I sincerely appreciate the support. I hope you guys enjoyed it, but until next week, you guys get out there, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. Be prepared.